Hi, I'm Liz from Liz Gets Loaded. That's the money kind of loaded, but this is the show where I sit in my closet, drink wine, and talk about money and anxiety. I have both. Hello. Hi. This is like a very important thing is happening in my life. And I want to tell you about it. Actually, a couple of important things are happening in my life. But the one that I want to talk about right now at this exact moment is that I'm thinking about switching budgeting tools again. So like a lot of people, I was a very early Mint adopter. I used Mint, which is a free tool from Intuit. I believe I started using it in 2008. I think I remember looking that up and thinking like, oh, that was only one year after they started existing. And I used it for more than 10 years and it was like a daily driver. I mean, I would look at my Mint app at least once a day, if not multiple times a day. And it synced to my all my accounts and it would pull in transactions and I could categorize them and it would show like trends over time for net worth and spending and I liked it. And then I want to say it was like a year and a half ago, it just stopped syncing with one of my bank accounts. And the sync was all always a little precarious. So it would often say like, oops, we can't connect to this account anymore. Please enter your credentials again. And I never minded that. Like if I had to enter my bank username and password every day and it synced every other account, or even if I had to enter a couple of different accounts, like that was completely fine. But my main checking account, it just stopped syncing entirely and it wouldn't sync no matter what I did. And so I started looking around and I started using You Need a Budget is the name of the software or often called YNAB, which sounds like YNAB, but you need a budget. Y-N-A-B, YNAB. And I started using it last year and there were some things I loved about it. And there have always been some things that I did not love about it. And I've done a couple episodes about this, but I felt like I tried some other tools and I was like, and read about some other tools. And I was like, well, this is probably as good as it gets. This is for me. But then recently, so Intuit announced that they were sunsetting mint or some of the features are going to stick around. Some of them aren't. It's all moving over to Credit Karma. It's a little confusing what it's actually going to do and not do. And all of a sudden, the personal finance corner of the world where I live (laughs) just exploded with people who had been using Mint and were now all of a sudden trying other things. And I started feeling some like FOMO. I was like, oh, I'm jealous. Everyone's trying all these things out and talking about what they're going to switch to. And I don't know. I was like, I want to try a new thing. And so I had tried out Monarch Money before. I tried it at some point last year and I basically wrote it off because I was like, um, it's basically just like Mint and Mint is free. So why would you ever pay for something that you can get basically the equivalent of for free? And like I tried it, signed up for a free trial, used it for a little while and I was like, meh. And so as all these conversations online were happening about like who is moving to what and kind of what the currently best tool is, the one thing about YNAB that I really love, that I really, really, really love, and I wish everyone would do this, is it has a really beautiful way to manage manually entering transactions if your account is ever not syncing or just manually entering a transaction because you want to enter it because you want it to show up right away and not have to wait for like a couple hours or a day or so for it to show up through the sync. And so what YNAB does that I love so much is that it puts every single one of your transactions into like an inbox for you. So every time a new transaction shows up on your credit card and your bank account, whatever it is, it's like, Hey, here's this transaction. This is what we think it is. Like we assigned a category to it. Did we get it right? And then you say yes or no, and you approve it. And if you don't approve it, it just sits in your inbox until you approve it. And then let's say I went to the grocery store today. This is real. I did go to the grocery store today. I spent $195 
And then I can go right into the YNAB app and say, oh, I went to this grocery store. I spent $195 this day on this credit card. And then like tomorrow, when that $195 transaction comes through on my Chase credit card, YNAB will say, hey, Liz, you entered this transaction of $195 for groceries. And then we also see this transaction at the same grocery store with the same date with the same dollar amount on your credit card. Are these the same? We think they're the same. And I'll go, yes, you were correct. They are the same. And then it will merge them and I won't have duplicate transactions. And that is magical. And everyone should do it that way. The reason actually I decided to give Monarch Money another try was I was listening to Maggie talk on Inside Out Money, which is a great podcast if you're not already listening to it. And she just mentioned in like a very offhand way that, oh, you can set transactions as like needing to be approved. And so in Monarch Money, it's not a default that they put all your transactions into this sort of inbox for your approval, but you can create a rule that sets certain transactions to sort of need to be reviewed. And I just created the rule that said anything more than $0 market has needs to be reviewed. So functionally, all of my transactions go into this need to be reviewed state. And that was the thing that made me think maybe this could work for me. It's not as good as the way it works in YNAB, but it's fine. It's like an extra click or two, but it's fine. That's what made me want to try Monarch Money again. And I think the thing that's maybe making me think I might switch back to it. Like the bottom line is I actually really like seeing what I have earned and what I have spent within the calendar month all in one place, all together. Just like, hey, you earned these many dollars and you spent these many dollars. And YNAB will show that to you, but it's not their thing. It's like not the way they want you to think about your money. So you have to go into a report and look it up. And I've always disliked that. I've always just wanted to see at a glance, like how much money did I make and how much money did I spend? And so I can't see it in the mobile app. I have to go into the YNAB website and I have to go and look at it in reports. And like, it's fine. It's there. It's not like it's not there. But I didn't realize until I started using Monarch and I could just see it right there. And just like my brain was like, yeah, that's what I want to see all the time. (laughs) I was just so happy. So that's like in a nutshell, but I I will go through a couple other differences in case you're also sort of maybe weighing some options or just interested. Again, the biggest difference is really sort of a budgeting philosophy between YNAB and Monarch. So YNAB is very known for like every dollar gets a job. When you have a paycheck come in or any income come in, you assign it to a category. So I might assign it to groceries for this month or groceries for next month or put it into savings or whatever it is. And I actually like that part. It's fun. Like it's fun when you get paid and you're like, yeah, let me go in and assign all my dollars. Like I enjoy that. Monarch lets you budget based on your expected income. So at the beginning of the month, I can be like, I expect this many dollars to come in and here's how I think I'm going to spend them. I totally get the idea that YNAB's going for. Like they only let you assign out money that has already hit your account. So you can budget with the money like in your checking account, in your savings account, any money you already have. You can't budget with money that you don't have yet, which I think is a valid way to do it. But I have been budgeting on a monthly basis for a very long time and I can fairly reliably predict my income. Like I have a salaried job. Sometimes over the years, for various reasons, I might get an additional bonus, but like, that's fine. I can just budget with my normal salary. And then if a bonus comes in, whatever, or a tax refund comes in or credit card cash back or whatever. And I've never had a month. I'm trying to think where like my income wasn't about what I thought it was going to be. And even if it wasn't, I could deal with that. So it's just personal preference. I like at the beginning of the month going like, okay, these are the two paychecks I'm going to get. Well, these are the four paychecks we're going to get in our household. (laughs) 
And this is what we're planning on doing with that money, even though I know that that money coming in isn't a guarantee. So that's like, again, another kind of high level, big thing for me. If you're thinking about using either one of these tools, a lot of people have talked about the learning curve between the two. And I will say that is real. Like I'd always heard that you need a budget has a steep learning curve and it takes a couple of months to get used to it. It really does. It took me like three months to be like, oh, I get it. Just because some of the way the math and formulas work. Here's an example. If you're, if you have a category for spending and you're negative at the end of the month, it doesn't roll into the next month. So let's say I only put like $500 into groceries and then I spent $600 in November. When it clicks over to December, it's not like, Hey, you're negative a hundred dollars because you spent too much last month. I don't know where that goes. I still don't actually, even after having used the software for more than a year. So I don't love that. I'm still not like entirely sure. There's this thing called age of money in YNAB which is basically like once you earn a dollar, how long does it take you to spend it? And so sort of the higher, the better, right? And like I log in and I look at the graph and I see that it goes up and down, but I'm not like entirely sure why. So I don't love that. And then sometimes the way it handles credit cards Theoretically, I really like it. So basically when I spend money on my credit card, okay, so again, groceries, just as an example, if I go spend $195 in groceries, let's say I already put $500 into my grocery category. I'm like, okay, I've earned this money. I'm putting it into my grocery bucket. This is money I'm going to spend on groceries. I've got 500 bucks in there. Then I go spend $195. It takes $195 from my groceries budget that had 500 bucks and then moves it over to my credit card buckets so that when I go to pay my credit card, like I know the money's there and that's fine except it's always just like a little bit off <laughs> and I don't know why. I don't know if it's a syncing thing. I don't know if it's user error. I don't know. I don't really care. Like it's fine. I always have the money to pay my credit card, but it doesn't, it just kind of bugs me. I don't like that. Um, that's the learning curve. One thing that was really always bugged me about Mint that both You Need a Budget and Monarch can do is forecasting into the future. So not forecasting income as we've talked about, but forecasting budgeting and other transactions. So just as an example, in You Need a Budget, when I get paid in the middle of the month, like I get paid on the, this is a whole other thing, but quick aside, I get paid on the 15th and the last day of the month. I pretend that I get paid on the first and the 15th of the month, just because I think it makes budgeting and planning easier. But anyways, when I get paid on the 15th of the month and you need a budget, I take half of that paycheck and I apply it to the mortgage for the next month. So when I got paid on November 15th, I was like, okay, I'm already going to take half of this money and put it on my mortgage for December. So I like that you can look into the future. Same with Monarch. You can go ahead and budget. I can go into December and say, okay, I think this is how much money I'm going to earn. I think this is what my budget is going to be. And I like that. Mint didn't let you go in the future. And I always bugged me. I'd be like, oh, I have this thing coming up. Let me go ahead and plan for it. But no, so that was a bummer. But anyways, they both can do forecasting, which is nice. One other upside for Monarch money is it gives you a little calculation of a savings rate, which I appreciate. It's not like the most accurate because it just takes like your net income. And in Monarch, I, you know, there's probably some workaround backend way to maybe show like your gross income and then what was taken out in taxes, but it's not really designed to work that way. It's designed to be like, here's what hit your bank account in terms of your paycheck. So like, here's your direct deposit. So if you, if your gross paycheck was like $5,000 and $3,000 is what deposits into your bank account, then you budget with a $3,000. So it's not accounting for like money you already put in your 401k, money you paid in taxes, money you paid for your health insurance, that kind of thing. But it does give you a little savings rate. So like, again, in that example, let's say you're gross paycheck was $5,000, $3,000 hits your bank account. You only spend 1500. Then it's like, Hey, your savings rate was 50%. And it's just a really small thing, but I actually do like it. I like clicking on that. I'm like, all right, that's great. A couple of downsides that I've noticed since I've been using Monarch 
One is it doesn't tell you when an account stops syncing. So I have so many accounts in there. I've got like all my credit cards, mortgage, uh, 401k, investing accounts, etc. It doesn't give you like an alert when accounts when an account stops syncing. So my mortgage stopped syncing, which is not that big of a deal. It, ha- it looks like it hasn't synced in two weeks. I really only need it to sync once a month, <laughs> really. But I didn't get any kind of alert. I went in and tried to fix it. It didn't work. I was like, well, whatever. If it's just my mortgage, it's actually like not that big of a deal. And it's my, I think it's my mortgage company's website that's being glitchy. They've got like a whole thing up on their website, but it didn't tell me, which is frustrating. Like if you think what if that happened to one of your credit cards or your checking account and then you were just missing a bunch of transactions and you didn't know it. So that's something to keep an eye on. Another thing I've noticed that's the downside of Monarch, the goals function is kind of trash. <laughs> like I tried to use it. The math made no sense. It didn't work that well. I Googled it and then found a bunch of other people complaining online about that function as well. So the goals is frustrating. Like they're built in goals function. What I think you can do though, that I think is nice is you can have a budget category that rolls over. So if you have a goal, like let's say you want to pay your car insurance annually because you get a discount, you could just, and just for the sake of math, let's say it's $1,200 a year. And you're like, if I pay the $1,200 all at once, they give me a discount. So I want to do that. And I want to save a little bit ahead of time each month. It's kind of like a little workaround way to do a sinking fund. So you can create a budget line item for car insurance, set the budget to $100, and then just set that budget to roll over. So every month, $100 is sort of earmarked in your budget for that cost. You're not spending it, but it rolls over. So by the time you get to January from the year previous, you've got $1,200 in your budget. So I like that, but the actual goals function, not good. And then I don't like that it doesn't show you your budget category if you've set that budget to $0. So for example, I have pet grooming as a budget category, but I don't do it every month. And so some months I budget it for $0. And if you budget for $0, it's like hidden. You can kind of click into it and be like, no, show me the hidden ones, but I just want it to show automatically. So I have all these things that don't necessarily happen each month. And I just set the budget to $1 so that it shows up and it just kind of bugs me a little bit. It's not the end of the world, but I don't love it. And then my last thing that's bugging me about Monarch Money is that when you go into the app and you look at your transactions, so like if I go in and I just, again, maybe let's say I just went to the grocery store, I can go to a list of transactions and it might say Whole Foods, then it has the dollar amount. So $185, I can see the date, but it doesn't show me the category. It only shows me the emoji that I've selected for this budget category. And that seems really bananas to me. So when you're setting up your budget categories, it lets you choose an emoji for each one. So like for clothes, I have a little emoji of a dress for takeout. I have a little like noodle bowl emoji for gifts. Of course, there's a little like gift box with a bow on it emoji. And that's great. But like, I have to remember what all those are when I'm looking at this list. So for groceries, it's an apple, but I'm like, what if that was lunch or what if that was snacks or what if that was, I don't know. It just, it's not that hard, but I, I don't like it. I, I really don't like it. (laughs) So that seems strange to me that it's not at least an option. Like show me what these categories are, not just a picture. And then let's see, there's a couple things I noted that aren't really good or bad to me, but just sort of good to know. One is that it won't stop you from budgeting or spending more than you have, which I mean, listen, no software tool is going to come and like actually physically stop you from spending. No software tool is going to like knock the credit card out of your hand when you're about to buy something that you don't have the money for. But like nothing really happens happens in Monarch if you just budget or spend more money than you have coming in. So if I went into my grocery budget and I set the budget for this month as $50,000, 
it does give, you know, it displays like, Hey, like you're negative. Like that's going to put you in the negative, but it doesn't kind of make me reconcile it in the future in the same way that you need a budget one. That's not an issue for me because just something being read in my software is enough for me to be like, Oh no, (laughs) and fix it. And I don't spend more than I earn typically, but it's just something, you know, again, something to like know about. And then the last thing that I think is just good to know from the last couple of weeks of using Monarch Bunny is that it does show you your net worth like front and center when you log in either into the web app or the mobile app. And I actually really like that. It's kind of like, okay, maybe go with me on this. <laughs> when I was younger, I used to weigh myself every day and I liked doing that because I liked seeing that it was very normal for that number to go up and down. Like in the morning, it's going to be different than in the afternoon. Then if you ate a big dinner, then if you were drinking the night before, then et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it was like, just knowing that it went up and down all the time made me less stressed about the fact that it was going up and down. Now I don't do that anymore. I I don't weigh myself. I can't remember the last time I weighed myself. I don't own a scale. And when I was weighing myself every day, I was also doing, I wouldn't say that I, I definitely would not say that I had an eating disorder. I definitely would say I was engaging in some disordered habits just in being a little bit obsessive about tracking food. I call those my counting grapes days. And to be clear, I was allowed to have as many grapes as I wanted. I just needed to count them so I could put in the app, I ate 37 grapes. And I don't think that I was in the healthiest place at that time. So when I see my net worth on my homepage front and center, I feel the same way. Like it's totally fine with me if it goes up and down. That doesn't bother me. It's not gonna like freak me out if there's a big market drop. I kind of prefer to see that it goes up and down because it helps me remember, yes, it's very normal for it to go up and down. And in the grand scheme of things, it's generally trending up. That might not be you. That might not be what's best for your own mental health. And yes, I do see the parallels between counting grapes and looking at my net worth and transaction history and tracking everything every day. I actually had a coworker a long time ago. I'm sure he doesn't remember this, but I was talking about mint and I was like, oh, I love it because I just log in and look at it every day. And he was like, oh, and he just made this really disparaging comment. Something like, oh, so you're like Scrooge McDuck. You just like count all your money every day. And I was like, well, I'm not counting it. I'm just like looking at the update. Like the app is counting it and just telling me. But anyways, my point is that it just shows you your net worth every time you open the app. I'm sure there's a, you can probably change that. So it's like not so front and center, but it's there. So if that's going to be stressful for you, then that's something to know. I am still in the free trial, but I'm feeling like I really like it. And I'm still, so right now I'm updating both, which is a little tedious, even for someone like me who is kind of nerdy and enjoys these things. But I think I've paid for You Need a Budget, YNAB through April. And I'm on a one month free trial with Monarch Money. I think I'm like two weeks into it. And then there's, they're doing a promo. So the first year is half off. So I think it's 90 something dollars a year for Monarch Money. And with half off promo code, that means it's like 40 something dollars per year. So I might stick with both for another month or two and just see what's what. I don't really want to have to switch again. So I'd like to just pick one thing and then that's my thing. All of this, by the way, I then export into another spreadsheet. <laughs> so I use the My Wealth Diary, My uh, Wealth Tracker, Wealth Dashboard is what it's called. And so at the end of the month, I like type in my total spending for each of these categories into the My Wealth Diary Tracker. And that's kind of one of my systems of record. And then I have another spreadsheet that's just my own. It's like a very high level overview, but I'm leaning towards Monarch Money. I will keep you posted 
obviously. If you have any opinions, if you love Monarch Money, if you love YNAB, if you also have mixed feelings about any of this or strong feelings about any of this, please send me a DM on Instagram. I would love that so much. If sending me a DM is like way too much work, there's also a little poll you can take. Tell me how you feel if you're using Spotify. It's in Spotify only. And yeah, if you really enjoyed this episode, you could leave a review. I'm at 76, which is feels like close but far away from 100 reviews. And if you would like to listen to every single episode of List Gets Loaded, there's like 60-ish episodes up on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and wherever you listen to podcasts. And then I have the older episodes behind a subscription. So there's about 40 older episodes and like a $5 subscription on Spotify. I would not expect you to sign up for like a monthly subscription to that. I would expect you to pay for one month and then listen to them and then cancel because they're pretty short. But that's where they are if you want to listen to older episodes. I just got my Spotify wrapped, not for like me as a listener, but for Liz Gets Loaded as the podcast. And it told me that 70 something percent of listeners only started listening this year in 2023. So if that's you, there's like a backlog, which is so fun when you find a podcast you really like. I'm assuming you really like this one because you're like still listening after I got to like leave a review, blah, blah, blah part, which is when people usually drop off. But I love when you find a podcast that you really like and there's a bunch of old episodes and then you get caught up and you're kind of sad and you have to wait every week for a new one to come out. So that's what happened to me with Friends on Fire. I only started listening like towards the last six or eight months that it was on maybe. So then there were like hundreds of episodes for me to go back and listen to. I listened to almost all of them. I think there were, I want to say there were 300 episodes and I've probably listened to more than 200 of them. There's a few in the middle I may have missed. Okay. Anyways, I'm going to stop talking. Thank you for listening. I hope you have best week ever. Bye. Bye.